Today on Abounding Grace. Don't stop praying no matter what. Don't stop praying no matter what. If God gives you a no answer and it's definitive and clear, then you can move on to pray for the next thing. But don't stop praying. A closed door is just as much as an open door from the Lord. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. That's what Jesus taught us. Prayer is not a last resort. It's not when all hope is lost. Prayer is our very life. Why God waits sometimes, I'm not entirely sure. We won't know until it's revealed to us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Hey, thanks for dropping by. This is Abounding Grace, and we hope you can stay with us for the next half hour. We've got a great study lined up for you from 1 Kings 17. To bring you up to speed, tragedy has just struck the home of a dear widow. Her son has died, and we're told that Elijah stretched himself onto the child three times, praying to God. Well, the Lord heard and answered, and the boy would be raised to life. Pastor Ed Taylor has observed a few lessons from this miraculous story that we can apply to our prayer lives. The very God that just supplied all the flour and oil now is the God who took her son. And then Elijah, he responds, whoa, why would you bring this tragedy? And he accuses God of killing her son. And these are all emotional responses. And we have emotional responses. And the question in verse 20 in Elijah, the man of God, used mightily of God, the question, oh Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow by killing her son? There, there, if you like to write in your Bibles, let me give you the question in one word. You ready? Why? It's a why question. Why? You know, not only have we lost the son, but now the widow's mad. It's an emotional home. It's, it's, it's in the height, in the, in the midst of the moment. And, of the, and, and Elijah's like, why? And isn't it true that there are so many things in our lives where we just cry out, why? So people will call the radio station. They'll send me an email. I just received an email today. Uh, that in, in the long email with all the words that were typed, I can summarize that whole email with a, with a young lady uh, that lost a child, I can summarize the whole email in one word. She was asking me why. I haven't answered it yet, but I can answer it now. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't have that answer. I'm sure that I can go through the scriptures and, and when you're ready, when you're ready, when it's time, when God is a, allows the appropriate time, I can give you the theological understanding of God for the matter. But even with the most well-crafted theological answer, that still doesn't satisfy the hurting soul. The only thing that satisfies the hurting soul is a true touch of the Lord in your life and the deep experience of the Father's love to you, daughter, 
and to you, son. To know that God hasn't forsaken you or abandoned you in your time of need, in your time of difficulty, no matter what it might be. In those times where our first response is, why, Lord? Why have you done this to me? Why have you allowed? Why did you let her leave me? Why would you let him do that? Why would you allow this situation? Why? I don't know. I have to say earlier on in, in my ministry and serving the Lord, I used to attempt to answer that question rather foolishly. And anyone that's, anyone that's in a ministry or a church with a young pastor has to put up with the, the growth and maturity of that young pastor, unfortunately. I'm not so young anymore. You still need to put up with my growth and maturity in many ways, but I'm not so young anymore. And through many mistakes and a few successes, I believe, or a few steps of obedience along the way, I've learned a lot more about the character and the nature of God. And I don't attempt to explain God to anyone anymore. I don't attempt to try to explain every situation and have an answer biblically for every situation. Truly, if, I, if you're listening to my voice right now and that seems to be kind of like the church you're a part of or the people you're around, they don't know either. They don't know either. You're around people that seem to always have the right answer. They don't know the ways of God. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we would do well to submit and wait for the revelation and while we're waiting, to pray. One commentator put it this way. I think it was John Corson. And I quote, The Father says, You want me to take away the pain and to solve the problem and to get you out of the situation, but that's not what you need. You need me. And the very problem that you're seeking to get away from, the very situation you desire to get out of, is the very one that's causing you to talk to me and to spend time with me and to depend on me. You'll be stronger when you're weak because you'll have no other choice than to draw strength from me. And you'll do better when you're weak because you'll have to rely on me. And here's the widow and here's Elijah in a place of deep reliance. What does Elijah do? After he cries out to God with this question, he says, bring, this, bring your kid to me. And then in verse, and, and then he stretches himself out in verse 21, and three times. This, by the way, is the first mention in the Bible of, of life coming back to a lifeless body. It is the first mention of restoration of life. And as God is using Elijah, he's also teaching Elijah how to trust him, how to hold fast to him, how to lean into him, how to love him, how, how to wait on him. He's seeing God's power. The boy, a picture is an object lesson. And what's being burned into Elijah's mind is simply something like this. If God could raise a dead Gentile boy back to life in response to believing prayer, he could also revive the chosen people of Israel who would become spiritually dead. Now think about this. Think about this. If God can do the work of revival in a body and even in a nation, can he not do the work of revival in you and your family and the people of your life? Can he not save people that have been written off? Can he not provide the flour and the oil that you need? Can he not send someone to plead with you for three, three separate times just pleading with you? Like, of course he can. All these things that we're learning in the scriptures, these true stories, all these things are designed to build your faith and trust the God who sent his son Jesus, that you have more than Elijah had at the time. I have more. We have an abundance of deeper relationship. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in us. We're born again. 
The Bible says that we're involved in things that the prophets of old wanted to see. You get to see stuff that Elijah didn't even get to see. Now, of course, Elijah got some really cool things being up on the Mount Transfiguration. I mean, Elijah saw something that I'd want to see. I mean, I, he's seen a lot that I'd want to see. But man, you have seen things that he didn't see. And I, I want to I leave with an emphasis on prayer because I can't, we can't get beyond. I, I couldn't get beyond verse 21. He, he, he stretched himself out on the child three times. Three times. God didn't answer Elijah the first time. Consider that. God did not answer Elijah the first time. How do we know that? How do we know? Because he asked a second time. <laughs> Why would he ask a second time if God answered the first? So God didn't answer the first time. And God didn't answer the second time. How do we know that? Because he asked a third time. Now Elijah doesn't ask a fourth time. Elijah doesn't ask a fourth time. How do we know that? <laughs> because the Bible says three times and the boy's alive. Now think about your own life. Some listening to me have given up after the first time. Because you've taken the answer no and or, or whatever you've perceived and you've just walked away. When God was wanting you to pray a second time and a third time, I want to give you some insights from how God sees your prayers. God does not live in time like you and I live in time. So we have to describe our prayer life one time, two times, three times, because we go to sleep and we get caught up in work and we're not praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But from God's perspective, from God's perspective, that's all one prayer. For us, we've given it in a couple different times because that's how we live. And you'll continue to live. You're not ever going to get out of this until you're delivered from this body. We're going to pray and we're going to be able to mark it. I prayed this time. Pray. I've been praying for four years. I've been praying for four and a half years. I've been praying for five years, ten years. And we kind of measure in time. And yet God is receiving those prayers. And God is putting those prayers into a bowl. He's holding them. And they're beautiful. And God doesn't... Now, now, it, now bringing it back into our everyday life, God doesn't always answer the first time we call, though many times he's planning to answer answer. But at other times, he answers, but there's a delay in our receiving the answer. And you go, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. Would you turn over to Daniel chapter 10? And this is where we'll wind down. God is developing in us an intimacy of relationship, a merciful intimacy of relationship through our prayer life. The lack in your intimacy and closeness and understanding of God is not just because of an ignorance of the scriptures, but it's also, and it very much well could be, because of your lack of intimacy and conversation with God. Can you imagine your closest, your closest relationships? What would happen if you just stopped talking? You just stopped talking. You stopped expressing your feelings. You stopped listening and hearing. They, they stopped talking to you. You stopped talking. What's going to happen to that relationship? You're going to, you're just going to, even if, you know, even if some of your, mar in your marriages, you've got to argue sometimes. Uh, it doesn't have to get crazy and throw things and nothing like that, but you've got to express yourself. And then you've got to patiently die to yourself after you've expressed yourself and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? for being so selfish or whatever it might be.
but to just shut down. Some of you, your, te- your tool of punishing your friend or punishing your partner is shutting down and you're just killing your relationship. You're shutting down by not communicating and you're killing your relationship. You think, oh, I'll hurt them. <laughs> yeah, and you'll hurt yourself too. You've got to talk, communicate, share your heart. Even, even if, even if they don't respond, you've got to keep talking. And if they won't talk with you, then you've got to talk to God about them. You've got to keep talking, expressing yourself. I know sometimes in relationships, especially in marriages, the other person, one person is silent, you know, doesn't want, and the other one kind of punishes, well, I'm not going to listen to you, give you any time. It's all foolishness. You look, back over a, you look back over a long marriage, and you just think, how much time we wasted. We could have just solved it like that. Marriage, you know, we, we have made a mistake. This is for a different mes- message at a different time, but just for the sake of the Lord speaking a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge to some We've been taught that marriage, the end goal of marriage is happiness. You could just write that. Go ahead and write that down. I'm giving it to you right now. The end, mar- end of marriage is happiness. I'm, I'm telling you that right now if you want to write it down in your notes. The end goal of marriage is happiness. Pastor Ed said so. I did. Now take a pen and then put a line through that. Because the end of marriage is not happiness. The end of marriage is Holiness. And the only way you'll get to holiness is learning how to die to yourself. That, you want to know why you married so-and-so? So you might learn how to die to yourself. Boy, that wasn't in my vows, man. <laughs> that is not what I thought marriage is. Yeah. And you know what singleness is for you singles? You wonder, man, he's talking about marriage again. What about, okay, I won't leave you out. Singleness. Purpose is happiness. Go ahead and write that down. I'm single to be happy. Write it down. Pastor Ed said so. It's on the radio. I heard him. Take a pen and exit out. End goal of singleness is holiness. And the way that you get there is dying to yourself. God has you single right now, so you can learn how to die to yourself. Like, Ed, I don't like you right now. You don't really know me or you'd like me even less. (laughs) Daniel chapter 10. Then suddenly a hand touched me. Daniel 10.10. Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Do you know what those words are? Those words are words of relationship. Daniel, I love you. You've been crying out to me at this point for 21 days. And you felt like you haven't gotten an answer. And you, you have been increasing. You prayed one time, two times, three times, 21 days. Who knows how long that was. Daniel, I love you. Understand the words that I'm speaking to you and stand up. For I've been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling as this angel of the Lord comes and expresses the love of God to Daniel, tells him to get up, and he says, don't fear, verse 12, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there from the kings of Persia. Now, this is a fascinating story. We don't have time 
time to unpack it or dig it except to glean the overall lessons here when it comes to prayer. As soon as you start praying, God hears you. As soon as you start praying, God hears you. No matter when you experience the, the, no matter when you experience the answer, God hears you the moment that you start praying. Daniel's been praying for three weeks, and that's a long time to seek the Lord. Praying for three years, praying for what seems like three lifetimes. And this angel finally shows up and says, I was sent on day one, but there was resistance in me bringing you the answer. I had to get some help. And from God's perspective, and here's the essence, from God's perspective, the moment Daniel began to pray, the answer was immediate as far as God was concerned. The answer was immediate. God already knew what he was going to do in Daniel's life. God already knew what he was going to do in this widow's son's life. God already knew what he was going to do in Lazarus' life. And I like that phrase. I forgot where it was. I need to look it up. It's in John, one of our studies. But in one of the studies of all the hundred plus studies that we've done in the Gospel of John, a phrase just won't, I can't get rid of it. It's become, it's become burned in my mind and it's come up over and over again. And it's simply this, the Lord already knew what he was going to do. I love that. The Lord already knew what he was going to do. And I've got this little reminder here. Let me find it for you. I I have this little reminder that pops up every day at about 8 o'clock in the morning for me. Or 9, I don't know. I see it eventually. But I got this little reminder. You know, using these little tools, uh, an iPhone, if you use an iPhone, and no other phone works, only the iPhone works but these little reminders it says this look at this this is what i this is what i want the lord to tell me every morning i want to remember this this is exactly what i get reminded of 805 every day the father loves me and he'll show me what he's doing and he'll lead me guide me and help me because what did jesus do he always did what the father was doing and the father loves me he already knows what he's going to do and as i ask he's going to tell me what he's doing and let me be a part of it. That's what it reminds me of. This isn't my day. It isn't my ministry. It isn't my church. It isn't my life. The Father loves you. And he already knows what he's going to do. And he's going to lead you and guide you and help you if you'll just get along with what he's doing. He wants to show you what he's doing. He wants you to be in on what he's doing. He wants you to submit. He wants me to submit my agenda, my thoughts. The Father loves you. He already knows what he's going to do. And he wants to lead you and guide you. When Daniel prays, as far as God's concerned, the prayer was answered. And so don't stop praying no matter what. Don't stop praying no matter what. If God gives you a no answer and it's definitive and clear, then you can move on to pray for the next thing. But don't stop praying. A closed door is just as much as an open door from the Lord. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. That's what Jesus taught us. Prayer is not a last resort. It's not when all hope is lost. Prayer is our very life. Why God waits sometimes, I'm not entirely sure. We won't know until it's revealed to us. For sure, it's a time of testing of our faith and building it. I don't like my faith tested just as much as you don't like your faith tested. I want an answer now. I don't appreciate it when God waits. 
especially when I'm in trouble or when I'm hurting or when I, I feel like there's a solution that needs to be worked out that God certainly can see it. I don't like it as each month goes by or each year goes by and God hasn't answered our prayers. I don't understand the ways of God, but God said we wouldn't. Jesus, he prayed three times for his cup to be removed. And what happened? He drank it. It was Paul that prayed three times for the thorn to be removed. And what happened? He endured it. And while they're waiting and while you're waiting and praying, you're submitting to the will of the Father. Pastor Chuck Smith once taught us, and I quote, God does not always answer the first time we pray. He does not always answer the third time we pray. As we've prayed, many times God, instead of doing what we asked, will give us really the strength, the endurance, the capacity, and the faith to live with a situation, seeing the, God, the hand of God in it and the work of God within it. Now, if you didn't write that all down, you can email me and I'll send it to you or I'll post it up on social media today and, or tomorrow or sometime in the future. The Lord knows. For this widow, she got her boy back. And the end result, I know that you're a man of God and he keeps his word. May that be your testimony as well. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's been in 1 Kings 17 today. It's a message called Keep Praying No Matter What. You can hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org. So, Ed, we learned today that it is important to be persistent in prayer. In our story today, Elijah prayed three times, and then God answered. Well, you know, Larry, this is such a tremendous uh, truth in my life, personally, of God answering prayer. And I have to say, like many, many of you guys listening in, persistent prayer is not as easy as it sounds. It really requires a surrender of our will. It requires a surrender of our commitment, and it, it requires discipline and diligence to draw from the strength of the Lord to not give up. You know, as Jesus would teach us, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. But the issue is, is that we do lose heart, and we do wonder if things are going to change. And we do get into those seasons, and it may not be the entirety. Maybe you've been waiting five years. You've been praying for five years, and it's not like every day you were losing heart, but in those moments of losing heart, it's so easy just to say, forget about it, and then develop a habit of not praying anymore, but how the Lord would have us to be persistent. And remember, prayer is not designed uh, by God to change him, but rather prayer changes us, and it aligns our wills with his will as we cry out to him for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, not the other way around. So don't give up in praying, even if you've lost heart right now. You're listening to me, and you're like, well, Ed, I've already lost heart. Well, get back up and begin to pray and begin to intercede and begin to talk to God about your circumstance, begin to talk to God about your feelings, begin to talk to God and make those requests. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, the Bible says, in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. So let's do it right now. Just take the time to start afresh and anew. And though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. So go for it and begin to pick up prayer right where you left off. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? 
I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel recalls his own spiritual journey from an atheist to faith in Jesus. He poses questions like, how reliable is the Bible? Does evidence for Jesus exist outside the Word of God? And is there any reason to believe the resurrection actually happened? We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. It'll serve to help us finish the year strong. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Kings. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 